Hello, hello, and welcome into episode number 56 of Just Saying Sports with Jake and Sean. My name is Jake Adnip, here with one of my bestest friends, Sean Dwyer. How you doing? How you doing is right. We are here midway through the Major League Baseball season to give you an update post-All-Star break and look ahead to our second half of the season. Always trying to break them down to little gaps because this 162-game season is what I would call maybe a little bit a lot to digest. I would I would agree. It's It can be a lot at times looking at it at multiple points of the season. Kind of have to space it out right to get a better view of it. But it's a long season with a lot of information to digest. Well, well, while we before we get into the actual season, like I said, All-Star festivities just took place last week. Everybody's just coming off a break. Or, or well, it would be a, just a week and a half ago, uh, All-Star, everybody's coming off a break. And we wanted to talk a little about, about what transpired there before we get into our update for the second half of the season with some of our predictions. So just to start off with, the AL wins, I believe, what was it, seventh straight All-Star game. Yes. Um, does that surprise you whatsoever? Because if you ask me, I mean, the AL has been better than the NL, especially, you know, offensively-wise. Um, for a couple of years, but this year, to me, it seems like the NL actually is, is the better side. Uh, I agree. I think the NL was the better side this year. I think they have been a, for a few years. I think that, you know, the All-Star game, there really isn't, when you put a certain collection of players together, there really isn't going to be a good, it's too small of a sample size to really get a picture on who's the best team. I think that's just a coincidence. The American League has won seven in a row. I think. Oh, I don't think there's no such thing as a coincidence for seven in seven in a row, man. I mean, when you go back and look, I'm sure the National League. I think even before this run started for the American League, the National League had won like seven or eight straight. So, I think it's just the All Star Game. I don't really now that home field advantage does not depend on the All Star Game. I think it's kind of a more it's just for fun. Yeah, and I think that's just kind of where whatever happens, happens, and the American League's won more recently. I think there really isn't enough to look into it. There's a couple of things I still want to mention about the, the All-Star game, though. One thing I did really like about the broadcast, at the very least, is that they put mics on the players on the field. Oh, that was fun to watch. Get their I, uh, takes on things happening. Yeah, and no, not even like that. As it was happening, I mean, uh-huh. you'd hear him. You'd hear them yelling and screaming to turn two or, or where to go or, hey, if you uh, if they're bunt, it's yours, not mine. Whatever you kind of get that inside track. I thought that was really cool. They did it like every inning with a different player, which was really really awesome. I, I um, uh, but other than that, I do want to talk about the home run derby. Uh, I sat down on my couch and was graced with the chance to see Cody Bellinger and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. go off um, at it, and then again in the next round, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. almost getting knocked out in an even tougher battle. Um, and then losing by one home run to Pete Alonso. Yep. <laughs> um, I know how it works. They have the tournament style, the bracket challenge now. Um, I, I And, hey, two young guys with Pete Alonso being a rookie and same with Vlad. That was awesome. But Vlad uh, hit 91 home runs, bro- like broke the record for most home runs in a round and then literally bro- broke it again, but then was subsequently tied. But still, how do you lose the home run derby when you hit 40 more home runs than your competitor? 
Uh, I don't know. This is the first time I really think that the head-to-head nature that they moved to has been less exciting than how it used to be with just total home runs. I think if there was going to be any year where that that, uh, process was criticized, this is the year for that to be. I think just because it's one year, they're not going to look at making changes, but if Vlad hits 91 and Alonzo hits 56 and Alonzo wins, even if it's a head-to-head and a round, I don't really think he's the winner. I mean, he gets the trophy and anything, but and everything, but 91 to 56 is a, it's a little convincing that you did not hit a lot of home runs compared to the other guy who lost. Well, I mean, Vladimir Greer Jr. had to be so sore by the end of that, fi- by oh, the end of that I, final exhausted. round. Exhausted. I would. I can't even imagine. I, but hey, I'll tell you this much. I did like the the playoff format. I did like watching them go head to head, especially when it came down to you know like Vlad and Bellinger, um, and uh, it goes into like double overtime or like triple overtime. Uh, it, I, I that that's an exciting thing to watch, and I think they did a good job like that, but. Just a shame that Vlad loses by one home run in the final round after hitting like 34 and 27, respectively, in the other two. Yeah. Now, uh, that, I mean, there's not too much else to talk about at the All-Star break unless you want to talk about the, the celebrity softball game or something. <laughs> yeah, with, with the Miz pitching for the Cleveland versus the world team. And, yeah, it was fun to watch and really fun to talk about. No. Anyways, we're going to get into our – Mid-season baseball update and predictions. Uh, we're going to start off division by division, giving you the rundown of uh, what it's looking like for these teams. Get kind of give you our prediction at this point on who we think is going to pull out and, and pull, pull ahead. And then we're going to dive into our mid-season predictions for the end of the season awards. So, uh, you know, we'll start off, Sean. Uh, we'll start off in the AL. Um, th- this will be as of um, – July 14th uh, when, is when these uh, all come out right after the All-Star break. This is what we're going off of, and uh, we'll go from there. But here, we'll start off in the American League East. Uh, I mean, Tampa, Bra- Tampa Bay has started out really hot. Uh, the Yankees have kind of crept up towards the top, but the Yankees are leading um, with 58 wins, 32 losses, and then Tampa Bay is six games behind them. And surprisingly enough, Boston, nine games behind the Yankees. Uh, I mean, we talked about this at the end of the year. Boston has obviously taken a bit of a tumble, but I think their second half of the season is is looking up. I just at this point last year, I think they were seven games behind. Yeah, and uh, they still were able to turn around and win the division. So that that doesn't that doesn't you know scare me at all. But I mean, we have to talk about Tampa Bay here in the middle. What do you think about those guys being able to keep this up? Yeah, that's the one thing that surprises me about this division is Tampa Bay remaining only 10 ga- – within, within 10 games of first place this late into the season uh, with a team that is pretty much, come on, said they're in a rebuilding period for their franchise. Um, they're making moves and bringing in guys, and there's been a lot of roster changeover, a lot of prospects. They were on our prospect uh, episode a, f- a few weeks ago and they're still within 10 games of first place halfway through the season. It's outstanding. Austin, I'm not worried about, because like you mentioned, they were at a deficit around this point of the year last year. Won the division, won the World Series. Not really about it. Toronto, Baltimore, write them off. They're done. The Yankees are going to have to look out for Boston, in my opinion. I believe the division's going to finish uh, 
Yankees, Boston, Tampa, but Boston's going to get a wild card, so we're going to get to see another run for Boston. All right, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I do think the Yankees will hold on to it, but uh, yeah, like I said, Boston is not to be uh, written off at any time. No, they're not. All right, moving into the Central, where the Minnesota Twins are tearing it up. We started talking about them in the beginning of the season. We had a little bit of like an early update, and we thought that they were going to cool off and Cleveland was going to catch up. But now Cleveland's seven and a nope. half games. Seven and a half games behind Minnesota in the Central. I mean, we, we know that the other three teams in the Central don't have a chance at you know winning the division. Um, I mean, Detroit's 28 games back, Kansas City's 27, and Chicago's almost 15 at 14.5. But, I mean, we've, we've said that this is – we said at the beginning of the season, this is Cleveland's division. We had no doubt about it. I mean, how is Minnesota staying so far ahead, or do you think it's that Cleveland is just not winning games? A combination of both. Minnesota has been a lot better than I expected personally, and Cleveland has been a lot worse. So I think it's the two of those things put together – the pitching for Minnesota has been a lot better than I thought it was going to be. The pitching for Cleveland has been mediocre compared to what I thought it was going to be with Trevor Bauer, uh, Carlos Carrasco, and Shane Bieber. They have been Shane Bieber's been the biggest bright spot for in my opinion. Minnesota has been also been hitting home runs at a record pace. Um, more home runs, I think, at the break than any team in baseball history. Yeah, um, they've continued that coming out of the break the past couple of days. I think Minnesota's here to stay. I think they're going to take the division this year. Cleveland, like you mentioned, they're they can't put they can't string together a run to get them back close enough to make a run there. So they're two runs out of being up at the top of the division. I think it's going to be too much for them. And they will have to basically clear out the rest of their games with the Twins if they want to get you know, even close if they're not going to keep on winning games outside of the division. The one thing that helps Cleveland is the second half of the season, there's a lot of in-division games. They're going to have a lot of games against the Royals, the Tigers, and the White Sox to help them. But at the same time, so are the Twins. So it kind of goes back and forth there. But I think Minnesota has the leg up in the division. I would agree. Final division out there in the AL. The Houston Astros leading the West by six games over the Oakland Athletics, the Rangers eight games behind, and the Angels 11 games behind. I mean, Seattle's all the way down to 20 and a half behind. We can basically write them off, but any chance Yeah, yeah any chance that Houston loses this division? No, I don't think so. Oakland's been on a hot streak. I don't see it sustaining for the whole season. Texas was pushing them for a little bit. I also did not see them sustaining that, and they've dropped off some. The Angels are a disappointment to me. I don't – they got to do – Mike Trout, I mean, he signed that massive contract extension. He's not going to leave there. I think it's going to be bad for baseball if Mike Trout stays in with the Angels his whole career, ends up being one of the best players of all time, and only has four or five playoff appearances. It's, it's, it's not good for baseball. That's going to get figured out. Hopefully over the next couple of years the Angels can fix that. Um, but for Oakland right now, you're looking at like Liam Hendricks and Ramon Laureano are two guys who have really helped that team. I don't think they, it puts them over Houston. Houston's going to make moves at the deadline and really push them over the top again. I think Houston wins this division going away by the end of the year. All righty. So while we're still in the AL, um, who do you think is going to you know, come out of the American League and win the pennant? 
Ooh, if I had to pick right now, I'd say Houston. I like their pitching more than I like the Yankees pitching and more than I like Boston's pitching. I don't really see Minnesota or Cleveland, who which one ever one of those wins the division, being a threat to those two teams. Boston, I, I need to see more before I can buy into it. Houston's going to be my pick right now. I mean, Houston's just had the same team. Alex Bregman is having the best season of his career. It just seems like every year a new guy for them is stepping up on offense and then – they just have that same old pitching staff that keeps on tearing people down. Yeah. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't disagree with you on Houston, but I definitely think that the Yankees are showing that they have exactly what it takes to win a, an AL pennant. So I would not be surprised if it's those two in the pennant or in the you know ALCS and wh- whichever one of those wins the pennant, I would not be surprised. Nope, I agree. I think it's going to come down to those two teams. All right, let's move over to the National League. Keep this update rolling. Start off in the East again. Young Guns Atlanta Braves leading the AL East by six games over the Washington Nationals. I mean, the Nationals have put some stuff together, but after, you know, losing Bryce Harper and a few pieces here or there, I mean, Max Scherzer and uh, Steven Strasburg have kept them in this season, but they're six games back. The Phillies, uh, eight and a half game back. And the Mets, 14 and a half. And then the Marlins are 20 and a half. I mean, it seems like Atlanta's running away with this division, but – uh, I mean, do, do you think that these the two parted teams with Washington and Philadelphia can kind of put it together and figure out who they are and win this division? If I had to pick between one of the two, I would pick uh, the Nationals. I'm gonna I'll go on the fly. I'm going with the Nationals just off the pitching staff. You know, you mentioned Strasburg, Scherzer, Patrick Corbin's got to turn it around at some point. You got to think um, Phillies. Aaron Nola has been mediocre this season. Bryce Harper has been a disappointment so far. I would pick – there's no doubt in my mind the Braves are going to win the division. To finish second, I'm going to go with the Nationals. I think Juan Soto is an underrated superstar in baseball that more people should know about. And I think he's going to really boost that lineup and get them into the wild card, possibly in the National League. All righty. Let's go on to the Central. Chicago Cubs, this is – okay, so let me preface this. For the last three or so years, basically since the Cubs won the World Series or maybe even the year before, uh, this has been probably the most competitive division in baseball. Uh, for a long time, yeah. Yeah, at the beginning of this season, we talked about it on this podcast and said we thought this would be the most competitive division in baseball. Um, also – we didn't know who was going to do what. And just like last year when Milwaukee came out and, and busted out the end of the season, we had no idea. But right now, all five of these teams are within five and a half games of each other. Yep. Uh, Cincinnati is all the way at the bottom, five and a half behind the leaders of the Chicago Cubs. Pittsburgh, one game up from there, four and a half behind. St. Louis, only a game and a half from there, three behind. And then Milwaukee is one and a half games behind the Chicago Cubs. I mean, obviously, this is up in the air, and it's tough to even pick a favorite. But, I mean, there's, there's been points in the season where each one of these teams have looked like they are the best in the division. Um, at the very beginning of the year, Cincinnati tore it up. You know, Pittsburgh started to find its footing, and then Milwaukee and Chicago just – they have been having some battles. Yeah. Whenever I see them playing each other, it is a wild game. It's must-watch TV. Yes. Yeah. Um, but they're only a game and a half separated. Uh, do you think that this is the Cubs division to lose, or do you think it's somebody else's division 
uh, to win. It's It's got to be somebody else's to win. I mean, when you've got five teams within basically five games of each other, it's wide open. This is anybody's division right now. As bad as I think the Reds are, they could hit a hot streak and be in first place within a week. It's it's that easy for them to do, a week and a half. I don't know what's going to happen to this division. I can't give you a confident answer. I think St. Louis has the pieces to win it. I think if Pittsburgh and Cincinnati hit some good runs, even though they're not expected to, they could win it. Um, well, and it yeah. And I, I was just going to say, you, you, and you have to realize with all these guys being so close together, all it takes is for Pittsburgh to beat Chicago three times and Cincinnati to beat Milwaukee three times, and the entire place is flipped. Yeah, and they're a game out, and Milwaukee slides down two spots. It's it's crazy. Yeah. It's going to be so much fun to watch this race through the uh, but year. I, I, I'm going to take the Brewers just because I had to eat some crow on them last year. So uh, I'll say I'll take the Brewers. <laughs> the Brewers bur- burned me last year bad, so I, I can't go against them and have and, that and and Christian Yelich is having an MVP caliber season anyways, so another which, one. Which we'll get to. Yeah, we'll talk to you in a minute. But, yeah, anyways, <laughs> let's get into the West. This one isn't going to take very long. I mean, the L.A. Dodgers have literally just been on a tear in the last two months. Have the best record in baseball right now at 61-33, and 33, uh, 65% winning percentage. There's 13.5 games up on Arizona, 14.5 up on Colorado, 15 up on San Diego, and 17.5 up on the Giants. The funny part is that if the Giants or the Giants or the Padres or the Rockies were in the AL, they'd probably be lead, leading a division. <laughs> yeah, they but, would be. Yeah, they'd be second place in some. It's it's crazy. Even in some of the NL, um, but the Dodgers are so far ahead, it's ridiculous. I mean, I'm giving them the division right now. We don't have to talk too much about them, but they put a good team together and they're really starting to play. Yeah, and there's one note I wanted to make is this is exactly how I expected this division to play out uh, with the Dodgers winning. Right now, Arizona, Colorado, San Diego, they're all separated by a game and a half. So second, third, fourth place in that division and subsequently the wild card race is going to go back and forth in this division for the rest of the year. I'm hoping that my adoptive favorite team, the Colorado Rockies, can somehow sneak into the playoffs personally and selfishly just because Nolan Arenado is a god, and I will say that every chance I get. But I think that this is going to be an interesting division to watch when it comes in terms of the wild card race. I think Dodgers are going to run away with it even further because they're leading baseball right now in wins. So the wild card race is going to depend a lot on this division. Yeah, I mean, you might be able to pull somebody out of there, and it's like they're 17 games back in their division. (laughs) Anyways. <clears throat> that's going to do it for our division update. Uh, we do have a couple more things to talk about uh, with MVP, Cy Young, and Rookie of the Year predictions. Um, but before we get there, I know, Sean, we had a couple conversations about, you know, how this landscape might change um, between now and the trade deadline uh, right here after, um, after the All-Star break. With how, with how much all this stuff's going on, all these teams who we're talking about, um, what do you think about this trade line is going to be? The trade deadline is going to be different than most other years. I think it's going to be different because the divisions are a lot closer than other years. I mean, when you look at it, a lot of like we just mentioned, a lot of these teams are within close games to each other. There's a lot of proximity, and there's not as much gap as there has been in the recent years. When you're looking at it, and there's not a lot of high high end options available on the 
the market this year. You know, Matthew Boyd for Detroit is looking like the marquee name. And he is, even though I like him and he's a tiger and I support him and I like him, he's not <laughs> as good as other free market or free or trade deadline markets have been. He's not the ceiling on last year's market or the year before that. He's more in the middle. So with this combined with a lot of teams probably with their stance in the divisions being where they are, they might stay pat and make smaller moves to complement their roster as it is now instead of going out and making big moves. And when you, it's even more surprising to me that this is going to happen when you look at that second August waiver deadline being taken away this year. There's not a lot of this. This deadline is the deadline. There's no secondary, let's see what happens deadline. This is it. And I think this has been one of the more boring deadlines because we're halfway through July and we haven't had a a trade go down that, you know, raised any eyebrows. Yeah. Well, I mean, if some of these teams stay, stay where they are, they might just be a okay. Um, you know, the only thing that stinks with that, you know, uh, secondary deadline being taken away is that's when they're able to start seeing who needs rest, who, who, who gets injured, you know, if they bring anybody up or if they can, you know, make any switches. Um, that's the only thing that's going to suck. Uh, for, for most of the teams uh, who are trying to make a run, you know, when they're not able to make those last-minute switches to kind of upgrade uh, their playoff chances. Now, we will dive right into our award predictions. We did these at the beginning of the year, but, you know, it's been a long time. So it's time to change our minds on some of these guys, at least. Uh, we'll start off with the rookie of the year, uh, since to me, you know, that's the least important. Um, but uh, who, who do you have for the uh, American League rookie of the, rookie of the year, Sean? There is no clear favorite to me at who's to be the rookie of the year. So I went, I went with Jordan Alvarez with the Astros in 22 games. He's got nine home runs, uh, 28 RBIs, strikeout rates high, but he has a 1.3 war or 1.4 war in 22 games, which is outrageous. So if I'm going to pick somebody, I'm going to go with Jordan Alvarez. Yeah, and kind of like you said, there's not like a clear favorite. And honestly, the NL is loaded yeah. with rookies um, yeah. who, who have been showing up. And the AL just kind of uh, isn't quite there. Somebody I do want to mention, but I'm not going to make as my pick, is uh, Eloy Jimenez from the White Sox. Um, you know, he's he's got 16 home runs, 38 RBIs. He's been playing well this season, but he's just one of like the four rookies in the AL that have even had that much of a shot to uh, – do anything. My pick is going to be uh, Brandon Lowe from the Tampa Bay Rays. He's helped that team tremendously. He's played most of the games so far um, at the beginning of the year, 76 games uh, by the all-star break already has uh, 49 RBIs. He's hitting 276, And I mean, his war is uh, 2.5. So that's definitely what you're looking for out of a rookie. Somebody who can come in and, um, you know, make that much of a difference for your team. I mean, he's just the one who, who's probably the highest up there for me. It's kind of hard to, to choose anybody else uh, out there in the AL. Now, uh, what, about, what about the NL? What about uh, the NL Rookie of the Year for you, Sean? Uh, for the NL Rookie of the Year, I'm going to go with Fernando Tatis Jr. with the Padres. I know he's played less games than Pete Alonso. Uh, he's got a higher batting average, higher on base percentage. His slugging percentage is right there with him. Um, his weighted on-base average, his WOBA, is higher. Uh, his WAR is only a little bit lower, but he is a 
plus defensive player, where Alonzo is a minus five defensive player. So that's why I'm going to go with Tatis Jr. I know you're going to go with Alonzo. So that's well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, with Tatis Jr., you have to know he, he also leads the, le- the league for rookies with steals. He's, a, he, he's an all-around player. Yeah. Um, he, he's fast. He's a good defender. Like you said, he's got a high average, um, high on base. So I can see where you get there. Um, I, I'm just going to – yeah, I'm, for, for the sake of argument, I'm going to go with Pete Alonzo. I mean, yes, just won the, the home run derby, but that trans has translated into the season. I mean, he's already hit 30 home runs in the first half of the year. That's crazy. And, exactly, in his rookie season. He's got uh, 68 RBIs. Like you said, his slugging percentage up at 623. Um, On-base percentage up at 370. That's that, that's almost right on par with Tatis Jr. His average is obviously a bit lower, but you're going to see that with with more of a power hitter. You know, he, he's not going to get as many. Uh, any, and of course, Tatis Jr. is a bit faster, but you're not going to see as many of those yeah. little hits and bloops here and there uh, for Ta- or for Alonzo. But man, 30 home runs uh, by the by the All Star break in your rookie season is literally nothing to scoff at. I'm going to make one point for Pete Alonzo, and that is Fernando Tatis's balls uh, batting average on balls in play is 425. The league average is about 300, so that is extremely high and is going to come down. So Pete Alonzo might end up with a comparable batting average to Fernando Tatis, so that's just something to keep an eye on. All right, next, let's move into the Cy Young talk. Uh, go off to the AL. I'll, I'll start off with this one since I think that um, your guy might have the upper hand by just a little bit um, coming down coming down the pipe. But I'm going to take the Rays, Charlie Morton. And kind of like what I said for, for Rookie of the Year, I mean, this is another guy who has helped Tampa Bay surprise everybody. I mean, he's 11-2 and two right now. He's, um, he, he's averaging 11 Ks per nine, and his ERA is at 2.35. The only person lower than him in the AL – or I don't think there's anybody else lower than him in the AL right now um, who, who has started at least like five games. Uh, Ch- Charlie Morton would be my selection, but I know, you know, Garrett Cole, um, I know you're going to bring him up here in a second. He's been just destroying people um, from the K realm. Yeah, his strikeouts per nine, I think is about like, what, 13.9, almost 14. Yeah. So he has been striking out everybody that he has come into contact with. In a lineup, and when you look at his wins and losses, aren't really representative of how great he's been pitching. He's got a nine and five record, which is obviously below Charlie Morton's uh, eleven and two. But he's pitched more innings. He's gotten more strikeouts in those innings. His left on base is comparable, so he's getting the outs when he needs them. His home runs per nine is scaring me because it's one of the higher ones in the American League. But he is. His FIP is low. He's, I think he's the better pitcher between the two of them. I think he's the best pitcher in the American League right now, and that's why I'm going to go with Garrett Cole. Oh, yeah. The only thing – I mean, Garrett Cole's fastball has just been getting teed off on, but he also will wave it right past you. Yes. If you don't <laughs> hit it, it's going past you. Yeah. All righty. We're going to run over to the NL. Um, I don't know if there's much of a conversation actually to be had here, but – Don't think so. Yeah. I mean, Max Scherzer has just been – a freaking animal for what almost 10 years now. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. He's yeah. been one of, the, one of the better pitchers of all time. If you ask me. Yeah. I mean, his record's only at nine and five, but we know the nationals have struggled on offense without Bryce Harper, but his ERA 2.30, 
1.6 walks per nine innings, 0.63 home runs per uh, per uh, nine innings. And guess what? The only person – there's only two people who have a better uh, K per nine ratio this season. That's Garrett Cole and Chris Sale. Uh, Max Scherzer is I, – I mean, those are both AL pitchers, so that's not going to matter. He is definitely the best in the NL. And do we have to say more, anything more? I mean – no, I mean, he's third in the National League in earned run average. He's near the top of the league in FIP. He's number one of one's pitchers in war. Uh, I don't think we need to make any more arguments for him. All right. Well, I, I, we'll, we'll see how long this run continues to go for him because I'm still amazed by it. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the last and final one, the MVP. Start off in the AL. We'll kind of just do what we did for Scherzer. Is there anybody who's going to – beat Mike Trout for MVP. I mean, obviously the Angels aren't going to be able to win anything, but his stats are just outrageous, dude. Yeah, just to give you an idea, the next – Mike Trout's war is at 6.5. The next closest person to him is the guy that you mentioned earlier, Alex Bregman, at 4.0. So there is a two-and-a-half war difference between the two guys at the top of the American League. Mike Trout, his batting average is above 300. He is a plus offensive and plus defense. Mike Trout's weighted run created is at 191. And just to give you an idea, um, Fangraphs lists as excellent as 160. So he is 30 points above excellent at the top of their scale. I can't make any more arguments for Mike Trout because he is he's the best player in baseball. It's not even close. Yeah, we already talked about this. I just wish that he was on a team. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and just give you Mike Trout as well. I mean, he leads the league in RBIs right now. Um can't there's no argument you can make against him right now. Yeah, what, he, what one home run he leads the AL in home runs. Uh yeah, that, it doesn't matter. Anyways, we're going to move over into the NL and this is where the argument happens again. I know me and you had this argument last year over some peeps. Eventually started to agree, but at this point it's going to be crazy hard to choose between two guys in the NL. Yeah, I'm going to uh, go with Christian Yelich to start with, just uh, to start off the argument between us. I'm going to go with Christian Yelich of the Brewers right now with 31 home runs, uh, 67 RBIs, and 21 stolen bases. Right now he is on pace to become the first player in Major League history to hit 50 home runs and steal 30 bases. Um the only thing really holding him back to my, in my eyes of being a total MVP candidate is he is a negative defensive player. His war is at 5.1, average is over two, uh, two, 328. He's got a 700 slugging percentage. Uh, Christian Yelich, he can hit, he can run. His fielding's a little bit below, but he's a great player for the Brewers. Yeah, and I, I can't deny Christian Yelich. I mean, basically, I'm going to run off some of these stats for my, my guy who I'm going to choose in Cody Bellinger. I mean, he's on a great pace, just like uh, just like Yelich. I mean, Yelich has played in six less games, uh, so that, that does factor in that there's there's still more to be uh, desired from Yelich. But Cody Bellinger, also 31 home runs, and that's only in 11 more plate appearances. Um, you know, over Yelich, six games, 11 plate appearances. He had 31 home runs. 73 RBIs, which is six above uh, Yelich right now, scoring 73 runs. Uh, his average is 10 points higher than Yelich. His on-base percentage is a little bit higher than Yelich. 
his slugging percentage is about the same as Yelich, uh, only point, .06 away, or .006 away. Um, but like you said, Cody Bellinger's defensive play, I mean, he's a plus four and a half defensive player, which is, you know, about average, but much, much better. You know, that's a six points over Yelich. I mean, you know, both being in the outfield, uh, it's it's a bit different. But, I, I mean, the thing that worries me about Cody Bellinger, we saw Christian Yelich literally turn the Jets to 2,000 at the end of the season last year. It was, it was outrageous. Yes, it was like incredible. The second half for Christian Yelich last year is what won him the MVP. He's of already course. he's already in the, the exact same position that he – or he's in a much better position this year than he was last year. And Cody Bellinger, you know, no matter how good the Dodgers were, has had his slumps. I believe at the beginning of last season, Cody Bellinger went like two months and he was hitting like 150. It was not good. No, yeah, not at and, all. And, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. And then he yeah. started working on his swing. I mean, this is a couple of years in the making to get to where he is now. But that's the only thing that worries him about me with the pick of him being the MVP is if he can actually keep this pace up for the rest of the season. I don't think that Yelich will have that much of an issue, but I think that Bellinger's due for a bit of a slump. Yeah, Yelich proved it last season going into this season that he can sustain that pace or sustain his uh, skill level. Bellinger has been up and down. He had that great rookie year. Last year was a little bit behind. Now he's great this year. Can he find a – can he find that – consistency with his game. And if he can, he's going to run away with the MVP in the National League. The reason I go with Yelich is for the reason that you just mentioned. I don't know if Bellinger can sustain it. I don't know if he can keep this pace up, which is where I think Yelich might edge him out at the end. Yeah, and I mean, the one the one thing about Cody that's good is he doesn't hate, there isn't, I think that's one of the things is he's there's no pressure for him right now. The Dodgers no. are 15 games up in the division. If he's he, in a lineup. Yeah, and he's in a great lineup. If he goes over five in a game, it doesn't matter. You know, keep it loose. Yes, and all it does is turn around and come play again tomorrow. Uh, exactly. You know, in, in his rookie year or last year when he went into that slump early in the season, I'm sure there was a little bit of pressure. So I we'll, agree. Yeah, we'll see how he deals with that. But anywho, that is going to do it for our midseason Major League Baseball update here on Just Saying Sports. Where we give you everything you need to know about everything, even though we can't <laughs> talk about everything. So, perfect. <laughs> yes, please. Yes, please uh, like, share, subscribe, tell your friends about us. We're still truck along strong here at episode number 56, doing what we do best, bullshitting about sports with each other. So, without further ado, my name is Jake Adnip. I'm Sean Dwyer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you again next week.